everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Experientially Speaking Podcast, a podcast from Red Tag Marketing. I'm your host for today, Chris Gehring. Before we get to our interview with Little League International's Liz Brown, I want to quickly remind you, make sure that you subscribe to the Experientially Speaking Podcast wherever you're listening. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and some comments. We always appreciate your feedback, and we'd also love to hear if you have guests that you'd like to hear from. Chances are we'd like to hear from them as well. All right, without further ado, let's get to our interview with Liz Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this episode of Experientially Speaking. We're super excited today to have Liz Brown joining us, Senior Vice President, Chief Marketing Officer at Little League International. Liz, how's it going? It's great. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be yeah. with you all. Thanks for being with us. We're, we're super excited for this, and and because Liz is a red pen alum, we're bringing back our our fearless leader, our founder, our CEO, Brad Nirenberg. Brad, what's up? Hey, Chris, great to be with you. And so excited to have Liz, rock, old Red Peg rock star, back to engage with and tell us a little bit about where what she's doing now. So it's really exciting to have her. For sure. And and Brad, I'll let you jump in. And it's, it's, it's exciting to have Liz back. And I mean, we've really enjoyed doing these interviews with Red Peg alums, just because there's so much that they've gotten out of their time at Red Peg, but it's also awesome to just reconnect and see what's changed, what's on their mind, what's on their plate now in different roles and different organizations. So Brad, I'll let you I'll let you start and and go down memory lane a little bit, and then we'll bring it back and talk about um, talk about Little League, Little League World Series, and Little League International in general. Well, I think it's always great to reconnect with uh, somebody from the past, like Liz, especially somebody that was so important when we were small. And I, I hate to say it, Liz, but it was 20 years ago that you first came in. 20 years ago. Yep. <laughs> and let me tell you, we were, you know, a smaller HC that everybody wore a lot of hats, but nobody wore as many hats and, and all those hats so well than Liz. She was first on the most strategic thinker and also client engagement and business development across the board. She she got it. And back in the day, 20 years ago, we were still pitching how important experiential was and having brands to acknowledge that that's where, you know, truly makes an impact with customers. So Liz helped us grow tremendously over those five years, created processes and procedures for everybody to follow the the more training manuals than you can imagine but um Liz really helped us grow and I'm I'm grateful I'm still grateful for her time that she she helped us get to where we are today couldn't have done it unless somebody like like Liz helped us so Liz thank you yeah no it's great to be here I will tell you that ever since I got the sort of invitation from you all to join this really great podcast I've just been smiling because it's just such great memories and I look forward to talking through that a little bit but it's great to reconnect and, and obviously look back on all that time 21 years ago, which is crazy. It is crazy. So, Liz, what, like, when you think about, and I, I started touching on it, like, we were pitching how important experiential is. I imagine now where you are and what you produce and the breadth with the brands that you're working with to create far reaching campaigns around this experience that you've, you know, you lead. Tell me about how, how it's different now talking about experiential than when it was back, look, 20 years. I think that's a very important thing to bring forward. You've seen it all. Yeah, and I, I do re- remember kind of fondly now looking back on it, how much that word was so buzzy back at the time um, and how much it's changed and grown. But I would say experiential is a core function of integrated marketing, whereas before it was kind of an afterthought 
what, you know, sometimes it was, we have some samples to give out. Can you help us with this? And we would always want to make it an experience and educate on why you can't just hand out something. You need to actually educate and, and make it feel like the consumer is connected with the brand. For for us at Little League in particular now, I mean, our brand is everything and the events and the experiences we create, whether we're creating them ourselves or our volunteers are creating them in local communities, how we present that brand is really, really important. And so those tenants are the same. Way back when, when it was sort of an up and coming genre of marketing, it has remained the same in terms of what the foundation is. It is about connecting with consumers in a really unique way, having a follow-up with them. We just have many more tools now than we used to have. That's great. Is there any anything that you did back then or any crazy thing that we did as an organization that you took forward that you implement today, whether experientially, organizationally, with your team? I'd love to hear. I always want to say, what's 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 the one thing that you you brought along with you? What's, what's stuck with me, right? So I break it into two different camps, just thinking about it and sort of getting ready to talk to you all today. I think one would be sort of the leadership traits um, that I learned. And and I I should maybe step back for a second. So when I started my career at Red Peg, I was a DeLulo and I left as a Brown, right? So it was a really important part of my life. The time that I spent there, I got married, I moved to Connecticut. I knew no one, like I discovered all these things about myself in the process. And so that then led to also Brad, you and many of the other leaders at Red Peg at the time, like the things that were important to you, the culture, authenticity, relationship building, being creative and innovative. Those are all things that you still hold today, but I learned how important those were in the team building and sort of cultural process of an organization. And I sort of tried to mirror them in in team building and development with my team at Little League and the things that we do and and sort of how we interact with each other, right? That spirit of togetherness is really important. And I do feel like all of the things that the agency did back then helped reinforce to me how important those were. I mean, I'll I'll never forget, just a quick story. You know, I was working at Red Peg. I was in the office on 9-11, right? As, As were you. And I spent so much time in Alexandria, Virginia, with all of you on a regular basis. And so I'll never forget that day and being with all of you in different ways and trying to find out how everybody was. But I also remember a week later, we went on a retreat and we had a decision amongst the leadership, like, should we go or not? And it was probably the best thing that I would say you ever decided to do, Brad, was to take us on that retreat that had been planned because we were all together during this really challenging time and we needed each other probably more than anything. And again, like, I wasn't married. My future husband was distanced from me at the time. So to have like my work family be around during that crazy time was really, really important. So, you know, so that's the leadership side. And I will forever cherish a lot of the things that you reinforce on a regular basis that were so important. On the business side, I remember the first year I worked there, I think I went to meetings and never said a word. Like, I didn't know how to give a new business presentation. I, I knew how to talk to clients. I mean, clients are people, right? But I was so nervous about the role that I was stepping into. And within a year of that, I mean, Brad, you were taking me on new business pitches. I was writing, you know, I had this new creative writing style that I was c- kind of coming into and renaming the agency, right? was a huge piece of the work that I was um, responsible for of taking us through this journey of what are we going to call ourselves that's going to position the agency for the future. So, and that I, I can talk about later. We just did that at Little League and it was like, there's so many parallels looking back to that work wow. at Red wow. Bank to what I did in the last year. So I think 
I would just say that the experiences overall, and I, I know I sort of touched on some more emotional right. ones, but um, the last thing I would say, maybe on the fun note, we don't necessarily, I don't do it here. I don't implement it here, but I threaten to implement it, which is the, the, the theme we used to have when we had our bagel meetings, like our staff meetings every week. And Rad would tell you, if you were late, you sang. And so I tell people, you know, when we, back in the day, when we used to have in-person meetings before this pandemic, I say, if you were late, you're going to sing. And everybody's always usually on time. Cause I think sometimes people think I might be serious. I might, I might implement that at the right time. So. Oh, great. Liz, I love that one. And can I tell you, I can't tell you how many compliments I've gotten over the years with saying the name is being so unique and creative. And I take all the credit when really it was all your doing. So I just want to let you know, I owe you a lot. I'm only joking. I'm like, I do. It is really, I, I look back at that time and how hard it was. I always explain it as like changing your child's name seven yes. years. And, yep. and what a horrible challenge that was, but yet we did it and you did it. You really led us through that whole process. And it was, uh, you were, you were strong and confident that we're going to get through it and, and how it's going to look and how it's going to play out. And it, and it ended up, Hey, it is what it is now. And we're really grateful for what, what it is. So thank you so much, Liz, for doing that. I eternally grateful for you. And I think a lot of red peggers would love to tell you how much they appreciate you too for that. So Chris, what do you want to ask Liz about her incredible role now? So I'm proud of you, Liz, first of all, amazing what you're doing with you, with Lily guy all the time. And uh, it really is impressive. When I told the team here who we could reach out to, they're like, Oh, that's awesome. Like that is awesome. So it was great. So I'm so glad you're on this and uh, um, I'm glad you're able to share a little bit more about what you're doing. At yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, this is, I, I can say personally, baseball was like my first love in sports. My background professionally is in sports. I came here from the Washington Wizards before starting here at Red Peg recently. And so, yes, when we heard that you were to, at, that, at the Little League um, International and, and on the Little League World Series, I mean, I remember growing up, it's a it's an event, it's a nostalgic event for I think so much of the world. And and it's just so cool this to see it continue to grow and especially internationally. And we'll get to that in a second. I do want to start with just your your role at Little League International and then we'll jump in cuz I think a lot of people may not really understand just how global not only the game of baseball is, but your organization specifically, how how big the reach is and how much responsibility there is across all continents, which can, you know, bring in all kinds of challenges and opportunities. Well, why don't I start with just a quick sort of background? So Little League as an organization is is sort of the Kleenex of youth sports to start with. So when you think about the responsibilities, which I'll touch on that, that are in sort of my purview, we are often making sure that our brand is being represented appropriately and not misunderstood, right, in, in the, the space that youth sports is. But we are essentially the governing body for Little League. So programs in 80 plus countries um, in all 50 states, uh, 70% of youth baseball in the U.S. is Little League. Uh, and we also, and importantly, have um, a softball program as well. So we are attracting boys and girls ages 4 to 16 and Primarily, our goal in this sort of ever-evolving world of youth sports is to make sure that the idea of learning a sport and participating in a sport can teach you so many more things than just the skills on the field. And so it is about sportsmanship and teamwork. It is about understanding how to be a friend and how to treat your, your coaches and the referees and umpires with respect 
those are all of the tenants of our program that, you know, in this changing world, we're seeing maybe not as important in other programs, but is very important in Little League. And to kind of fast forward to the Little League World Series, which is the pinnacle of sort of youth sports competition, when we're on display, those are the things we're trying to highlight and the stories we're trying to tell through ESPN and ABC and then through our own digital efforts in any way, shape or form that we can, because it's our loudest mouthpiece at a certain time of the year where we can really you know, make sure that people understand who we are today and kind of where we're going. Awesome. I, I think that's a perfect synopsis. And I mean, in terms of your your role as as CMO for Little League International, how how much I guess how much is how much of your time is split between the event that is the Little League World Series and the coverage and the partnerships versus, you know, maybe what corporate partners do with the rest of the year or how you identify partners that can that can align with your messaging appropriately um, and support the league, support the game, support the uh, the youth athletes and so on and so forth. So I would explain sort of my role in two different buckets, marketing and communications. And so let's start with marketing based on your last, your last set, sort of set of questions. So relationships with sponsors, with business partners, with licensees, we have a licensing program as well. We have a retail presence and an e-commerce presence. I, I actually go back to my agency days in a lot of the ways that we try to work with those partners, because I had, I had experience at Red Peg. I had some experience in the consulting side of sponsorship. So bringing that kind of mindset to managing all of those partnerships on a daily basis is really important. Little League is actually sort of hard to understand, right? From the outside. How do I wrap my brand around it? I see what happens on TV in August, but what about every local league in every community around the country or even, you know, globally reaching international, the international constituent base. And so we work really hard to help create programs that brands can implement. And we actually do have some capabilities to implement those ourselves. And so I would use one example. One of our sponsors is T-Mobile and we work with major league baseball um, and create some synergies between their relationship with MLB and little league. But we actually, over the last year and a half, have worked really hard to create a program that's just unique to Little League that T-Mobile can own. And that is actually philanthropic in nature. It has a goodwill and give back sort of um, angle to it. And that's called the T-Mobile Call-Up Grant. And it actually funds registration fees for underserved youth. So again, it's a it's a need. It's a pain point. We have a number of a large number of constituents that can't afford to play. And so how do we meet that need, wrap a partner into it, so they also have a halo effect of the relationship, and then, frankly, achieve one of the goals we're trying to achieve from a, an organization standpoint. So if you think about that as the example, that's kind of our approach to partnerships, is how do we help a brand really integrate with the needs that we have as an organization, because they're way more effective when they're speaking sort of in the language that um, that really that answers some of the, the pain points that may exist. On the communication side, our entire program is run by volunteers. So putting yourself in the volunteer mindset and then writing communication that can help them on a regular basis manage this program while they're probably working two or three jobs, managing kids, like all the things that go into the volunteer mindset, that's a lot of our work on the communication side. And then you put on the tournament hat, then we, we aim to entertain, right? And engage. And so there very, very much is that 10 month, two month sort of time of year where we are working as a member services organization and creating programs that are meaningful. And then we're entertaining for those two months and figuring out how we really engage a good fan base. So it's a challenge in, in a good way um, to flip 
flip the switch at times, put on a different hat and really try our best to to be as successful as we can in both areas. And and so people know, just as as we talked about, I think you said well, 80 plus countries are represented in the Little League World Series. And for people who may not may not know and may think that, you know, baseball is, you know, really native to this country, certainly native to Central America, et cetera. It's Asia Pacific, Australia, Canada, of course, the Caribbean, Europe and Africa. I mean, it is it is truly the entire world. Um, and so how do you, what, what is the apparatus like to maintain the, the consistency that you're looking for, both in your messaging outside of August and outside of summer and making sure that the leagues are operating as best they can and providing resources. And when they come over to the little league world series, making sure that all of those regions of the world get their, you know, get their moment in the, in the spotlight and, and really get to show the global nature of the game and the organization. I think it comes down, number one, to volunteers, because even internationally, the program is run by volunteers. Uh, there, there are nuances with the implementation of Little League in all the different countries we're in. Um, and so understanding how youth sports fits in is really important from an approach uh, from our staff. But we have uh, a number of, of staff that are managing our international markets and making sure that those markets have the resources they need so that the program can be successful in those different countries. When they come to the the World Series events, and I would note we have seven of them, not just one, um, three in softball and four in baseball. It's important that that we give all of the divisions recognition. We really work hard to tell their stories, as does ESPN. But we have a whole digital team, too, that before they come, we're interviewing all the coaches. We have translators on site that are with each team to be able to you know, capture interviews and make sure we're telling the stories of the players and the coaches and the teams and, and what their communities were back home. Um, and then, you know, making arrangements, if the families can can get there, making arrangements for them to be able to see the games and interact with their kids and, and have that experience as well. Because it's as much about the kids as it is about their family, right? The people sure. that stood behind them. So yeah. I think the, the most important thing about Little League is the foundation of what we stand for. Because we're 80 plus years old, haven't really strayed from the mission or what the foundation of the program is, that's really aided in our ability to expand because that's what those other countries want to adopt. And so that I think has helped us build and bring the program to new, to new countries and, and, and grow in the countries that we're in, in terms of popularity, especially in areas where baseball and softball may not be as popular normally. Over the last year and a half, everybody's job in every industry, in every facet of life has completely changed. And, and obviously, you know, Little League has had to adjust as well. What's what's kind of the what's the biggest instead of asking about just like the general impact, like what's kind of the lasting lesson from COVID and from this pandemic for for you guys as a, as a total organization? I would speak personally first. I, I absolutely underestimated how important Little League is to our constituents. We're, we're so close to it, right? We work here. We, yeah. we live it every day. We're creating content, copy, presentations. You know, sometimes I think we get a little tired of ourselves, right? But when we took the advice of the CDC and advised our leagues that they should pause play for regular season. And then we made the decision to cancel the World Series last year. The amount of feedback we got of disappointment and the loss was amazing to me. I, I 
I didn't appreciate it until it, it happened, right? Until I could see it and, and read it and hear it. And so I think that reminded me and reminded a lot of us how important the organization is and how important youth sports are to kids, to families, having an outlet, making sure that they they can have some kind of normalcy. And so we we did hear a lot of families tell us that baseball might have been the only thing that they were able to do last year. The seasons did come back. We we did create a lot of resources, did a ton of research and outreach to try to give some sort of um, parameters to resume seasons, whether that was a simple Little League Sandlot Fun Days program or it was bringing your season back and having some kind of tournament play. And I think that effort was really appreciated because it was some of the only activities that kids got to do last year. So we underestimated, I know I personally did, what the impact of our program is, but hearing it just fueled you for coming back stronger in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, have tried to think back during this past year and knowing people with young kids or like hearing the effect of even like high school sports in my hometown being altered or shut down or whatever. Thinking back to when I was growing up and I was in high school, if you would have told me that my baseball season was over when I was 12 years old. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, huge impact. And I I think that's, that's so interesting. And I think just, um, it's a great reminder of just the importance of supporting, yeah, supporting youth sports and supporting activities for kids to get together and play on teams and, and, you know, regardless of the sport, but, um, fast forwarding to, to this year, for the 2021 Little League World Series, there are few sporting events larger and more complex than the Little League World Series when you're bringing people from all over the world and you truly are throwing a a huge week-plus-long event with a lot of moving pieces. Um, what's, what's the thing this year coming back into it that um, maybe is, is new for partners or a new opportunity that you guys were able to identify in... Uh, bringing people back together and and getting this show back on the road. So I would note that it's not a new idea, but it's something that we've had a hard time in the last couple of years just sort of mobilizing. So everybody's moved to a digital platform in this this pandemic environment. And much of that was commonplace beforehand, but maybe not as adopted or used creatively in the event and experiential space as we are sort of using it now. And so we are working hard to create sort of a fan, fan experience that's virtual that could carry across all of our events. People love the, the on-site experience, but we were missing a huge host of opportunity by not creating that same experience in some form in a virtual environment. So I would say that that's one of our, our plans for the near term is to make sure we can sort of stand up a, a virtual environment and make it as compelling, if not more, than what it would be like to be on site. So we're really excited about that. And I think long-term, that's going to continue, right? That will end up being uh, a mainstay in our sort of asset portfolio for sponsorships and a great way to to present our brand, our museum, and some of our other content offerings um, out to a much larger audience than maybe physically can be at events. 100%. And I, like I've like I've talked about it a couple of times, but I think it's relevant here. Like right before I joined Red Peg, the pandemic started when I was with the Washington Wizards, and the exact same thing happened. When even when games came back, obviously fans couldn't be there, and so finding ways to align partners with digital properties and digital, whether that's signage or like all new content series or things like that, it it did open up an interesting new lane or I guess untapped lane of potential for partners and brands to find their way, find their way in kind of a new world that is, like you said, I think 
the hybrid approach has met a lot of people like to say is is going to continue because people are still used to it and and you know the technology to to accomplish it is only going to get better so i'm i'm super interested to see how it comes out and how especially working with platforms like abc and espn that have all of the ott capabilities that people already love to talk about um it's an incredible opportunity so i i, I can't wait to see it and um, see it continue to grow in, in this year's tournament and future tournaments. And um, it's just a really exciting time. I think it's amazing too, how fast the adoption was because it had to be there. Right. But the yeah. idea that we can reach a younger audience, maybe with a different form of content and a different experience, I think is really important to us. So we're excited to kind of marry the traditional tactics together with sort of this newfound uh, and newly adopted sort of virtual experience. No doubt. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm going to make sure that I'm tuning in at this point. Now that we talked about it, I'm going to have to figure out on all of my devices and, and all of the social channels, et cetera, to figure out a way to um, check in and see what you guys have ready for August. But the last thing from me, and, and we'll get you out of here on this question, it's, it's, it's more broad, but we like to ask all of our guests, if you're going through a marketing activation say maybe for a brand or for or for an organization, not necessarily only experiential, certainly digital is such a huge part of marketing now. And, you know, getting people back in person is 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 coming back slowly, but surely what is the critical piece, whether it's, you know, a feeling you're trying to evoke an ethos of an activation that needs to be there to connect with a target. And and whether that I think for Little League, there's so much compelling angles because of the mission, but certainly also the enormity of, of your guys's reach and, and network. I'll answer that in two ways. The first thing I would say is I would take a step back because I think one of the steps that sometimes is missed is what does success look like? So in that interaction that you described, what is what is a successful interaction look like? What is it that we want the, the consumer to walk away with? I think sometimes that's a misstep because you get caught up in the creativity of the ideas and yet are they meeting the objectives or or the defined success. So I try really hard to do that with, with our team and the way we work with our clients to make sure that we're all on the same page about what the goal is. And, and then I think it goes back to just creating connections, right? I think everybody realized how much they miss connection. And that's going to be more important, you know, not in the short term, I think in the long term, because people feel like they lost so much time and so much opportunity that they used to take for granted. So I think those connections are going to mean more, at least for a period of time. And I think brands have a huge opportunity to be the reason for reconnection. And so to the extent that they can really adopt the consumer mindset and not talk at the consumer, but talk with the consumer or be the reason that they bring consumers back together to connect. I think there's a lot of success opportunities there. And I, I see that with, with Little League. Little League is a reason that people come together, that there's community. And if you put yourself in that mindset, I, I think it would be pretty hard for a brand to not be successful by wrapping their themselves around that. Awesome. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great note to end on. Um, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. So excited for August. I know that that things will only get busier for, for you from here until then. Um, so thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your time. And we'll hope to have you back maybe afterwards to talk talk about all of the success from August and beyond at Little League. That would be great. Thanks for having me and appreciate you tuning in and all. Thanks, Liz. Take care. That'll do it for this week's episode of Experientially Speaking. Thanks again to Little League International's Liz Brown and, of course, to Brad Nirenberg, as always, for jumping on with us. Really enjoyed the conversation. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, make sure you rate and subscribe to Experientially Speaking wherever you listen. This podcast, as always, is produced by Rashid Cole. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Talk to you guys then.